0: Hello and welcome to The Expressionists, the podcast where we shine a light on expressions and idiom and lift the lid on their origins, history and meaning. I'm Olivia Rosenman. And I'm Helen Rydstrand. Today we are looking at two expressions requested by you guys. We received these requests at our launch party in Sydney and as such they both relate to the drinking of alcohol and the flow-on effects. (laughs) These two expressions are The sun is over the yard's arm and three sheets to the wind so bottoms up let's get started
1: so i'm going to start us off with the sun being over the yard arm do you know if the sun is over the yard arm yet i mean i couldn't say for sure but i i have a hunch it is we're having a beer yes so you'd be hoping so
0: yes i hope so otherwise we would be be in it, it would be in
1: Your response suggests that you have an idea of what it does mean. Uh, So one succinct Urban Dictionary definition that I quite like just explains it as pirate talk for it's time to drink alcohol. And the Oxford English Dictionary confirms this. When the sun is over the yard arm equals the time of day when it is permissible to begin drinking. It's the same when the sun is over the foreyard, which is another variation.
0: So... Pirates, it's something relating to the sea. It's a nautical idiom, you might say.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. I think you even might say that it is a phrase that's idiomatic, as in an expression that's natural to a native speaker, in this case of sailing jargon, uh, because it means something quite literal in context. But taken out of context is sort of baffling, though, I think. Yes. What is a yard's arm? A yard arm. Well, I'll come to that in time. So people often assume that the sun is over the yard arm at about five or six o'clock or something similar, which, you know, is why we're having a beer now. Uh, I but I can confirm. It is after five o'clock. It is after five o'clock. We did wait. Yes. We're drinking at a very appropriate time, everyone. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, it's about 11 a.m. We could have started way earlier. Ah, oh, great. We've been waiting all this time. For um, what? So, and this is when sailors in the British Royal Navy would receive their rum ration for each day. Uh, also called a tot, which is one-eighth of an imperial pint. So that's about 70 mils. Um, Note that in Australia, a shot of spirits is 30 mils. And I'm quite intrigued to discover in the UK, it's 25 or 35 mils. Maybe you can get a big one, I suppose. Mm -hmm. In the US, it's 44 mils of spirits. That's probably related to some weird empirical measurement. It totally is. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Japan, it's 60 mils. They like to have a good time. Yeah, I guess so. So... But the British Royal Navy would receive rum that was 95.5 proof. That is about 54% alcohol by volume. That's
0: pretty strong. That's stronger than your regular rum. I mean,
1: in Australia, a spirit is usually 40-ish. 44 sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what's known as Navy strength uh, spirit. Uh, senior ratings, that's officers and above, would get theirs neat. They could have it straight. Uh, but if you were a more junior sailor, that you were paid less, then yours was diluted in two parts water to make three-eighths of an imperial pint, so 210 mils of grog. Grog. That's what grog is. In Australia, of course, it's also just any booze. That any you any to, booze. Yeah. In every booze. Any and every. That's right. You can be on the grog. You might get it at a grog shop. That's right. So it first appears in writing in 1899. Uh, Roger Kipling puts it in his book, From Sea to Sea. And the sentence is kind of good. Uh, The American does not drink at meals as a sensible man should. Also, he has no decent notions about the sun being over the yardarm or below the horizon.
0: So he might say that those Americans are a little bit loose.
1: bit loose. That's right. Loose Mm. cannons, even? Loose cannons. They just drink any old time. They don't eat when they drink. Maybe they have a kind of eating is cheating approach. What is the eating is cheating approach? (laughs) (laughs) If you eat when you're drinking. Have you never heard that that phrase? If you eat when you're drinking, then you you don't get drunk as fast. So what? Yeah, I suppose in like a drinking competition or something. Oh, I see. The usage of uh, sun over the four yard version is a bit earlier. 1844, it comes up. So all very interesting. Uh, Actually, there's even an older phrase, which I'll call related to this one. Uh, You can be ducked from the yard arm. Uh, So meaning to hang or duck slash dunk, I would call it, a person from the end of the yard. So that's the horizontal bit of the ship as a punishment. It's recorded in 1589 in a book called The Principal Navigations, Voyages and Discoveries of the English Nation by a Richard Hakloyt. I don't know if I'm saying that right. H-A-K-L-U-Y-T. Sounds like a Dutch name. does, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, He quotes someone saying... For pickery ducked at the yard's arm and so discharged. So that's nice. It's all in ye oldy English. And I also quite like this one from someone called J Taylor uh, from 1627. Quote, they are ducked from the yard arm of state into the deep sea of disgrace.
0: Oh, I like that because it's a little bit metaphorical.
1: It is indeed.
0: So, what exactly
1: is the yard's arm? Yep, great question. Uh, It makes a big difference to actually understand what this is. So, I tell you what, I learned a lot about sailing ships in researching for this episode. I don't know about you. I did too. What a coincidence. Uh, So, a yard is a spar that is a nice strong pole on a mast from which the sails are set. So, it's the horizontal bar across the sail, across the mast of the ship. So, you might Uh say the cross of the T, if you imagine a mast as a T. Exactly right. The connection of this yard to the unit of linear measurement is via the origin of the word, which in Old English, gerd, which is of West Germanic origin, is related to Dutch gard, meaning twig or rod. I guess a yard was originally the length of a rod, so that's where that comes from.
0: So I think that we should post this reference picture that you have Mm -hmm. found in your research, Helen, on our website in which... Not only can you see what she's talking about, but also you can see this boat with beautiful pink sails. That's lovely, isn't it? It is nice. Yeah. Okay. This makes sense. The sun is going to be traveling over the boat. That is going to cast a shadow. You're going to know when the when the sun is over the out's arm because the shadow is presumably going to move from one side to the other of the boat. Or it will be apparent anyway. Yeah.
1: I don't think it's about the shadow. You're just looking up and you're like, okay, it's above that particular crossbeam, the yard. I suppose you have to, because looking at this picture, uh, there are a lot of yards on this boat. You have to choose one. You have to choose. I guess it's the top one. The top latest. one is the, the earliest s- one. Top like, would be the latest because oh. the sun starts at the horizon and goes up.
0: Oh, God,
1: you've got to wait all the way to the top one. I bet, like, some people
0: were like, let's make it the first one. And then the the (laughs) captain was like, no, no, guys, we'll make it the last one. (laughs) All right. But so, okay, that makes sense. But then surely it depends where you are in the world. As to when the sun
1: arrives at that point. Yes, great point. And in fact, in my travels, I found a website called harbourguides.com that gave a very brief version of the account that I've just given. And one guy called Tom Beardwin, which I like, uh, makes that very quibble. He says, it sounds very nice, but in my location, North Yorkshire, the sun is about 28 degrees south by east and low on the horizon about 25 degrees at 11 a.m. during the summer. So if the sun is rising over the yardarm, their location will be more southerly regions of the Atlantic and close to the equator, 11 to 12 midday. This means bad idea to get sloshed on rum in those hot temperatures. They would become dehydrated. Best drink water instead. Sorry, fellows. (laughs) Uh, To which another commenter by the name Tracy Wilson has, I think rightfully, replied, Bet life's a bundle of laughs in your house, Tom. It's also just funny because he thinks that
0: some of those men listening... They're all dead. They're They're pretty dead, dead.
1: yeah. Mm. No, it's too late for Tom to give them these wise words of advice. Don't stop him trying. No. Yes, that's the charming and petty world of internet (laughs) discussion. Uh, So you've not come across this one much, have you? Uh,
0: I'm almost willing to say never before until it was recommended by our listeners.
1: Indeed. Um, yeah, I think really I've only heard my parents, maybe other Anglo-Aussies of their generation or older, saying it. Let's bring it back, I say. Listeners, go out. Yep.
0: Yep, let's do it. So, Helen, I wonder if a little while after the sun went over the arm, these same seamen that you mentioned, I wonder if their ships ended up... Sailing with three sheets to the wind. That doesn't sound good. No, not good. It's not good. (laughs) And here's why. So, in fact, the sheet is a rope or a line that was used to control a sail. What? What? Hang on, so it's not the sail itself? It's not the sail itself. It's the sheet or line that is attached to sort of the bottom corner, the trim sometimes called, uh, of the sail that you use to control the sail, the direction, the tightness, uh, and of course then the way in which the boat moves because it all relates to the sail. So once again, we're getting deeply involved in the anatomy of a boat here, but we'll post pictures in the show notes. So if a sheet is... To the wind, it means that it's completely slack and the sail is not capturing any wind. The opposite mm-hmm. of that would be hardened. So with three sheets to the wind, you've obviously got an uneven number here. Uh-huh. The, she- the, the boat is unevenly balanced wind-wise and because of that, it will stagger and lurch in the sea. Helen, what else staggers and lurches about? A drunken sailor. I'm getting it now. Yep. I think
1: I'm seeing a connection here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. All <laughs> makes sense. It all makes sense, but it only makes sense if you do have that rather sophisticated understanding of ships and mm. the way that ships work. And so for that reason, I'm calling this an idiom. No, no. Another
1: nautical idiom. Mm-hmm. Now. What would you have me do, Stephen? Tip the ship's grog over the side. Stop their grog. Nagel was drunk when he insulted Holland. Did you know that? Stop 200 years of privilege and tradition. I'd rather than three sheets to the wind on occasion than have a mutiny on my hand. <laughs> Do you know who that was? Look, I, I reckon I could guess that it's a movie about some men on boats. Yes. But I don't recognise that person's voice, if wow. that's what you're asking me.
0: It's none other than our national treasure. One of our national treasures. Actually, I think he comes from New Zealand.
1: I mean, many of our national treasures
0: do. It's true. Uh, This is one national treasure that I'm quite happy to be claimed by the Kiwis. But, it's yes, it's none other than Russell Crowe in the 2003 film Master and Commander. And this film was set in 1805 during the Napoleonic Wars. And our mate Russ is playing Captain John Aubrey, who is the captain of the HMS Surprise. And this boat becomes stranded without wind for several days. And because of the extreme heat... Lack of rain and overconsumption of grog. I mean, perhaps they were somewhere where the sun came over the yardarm arm especially early. Indeed. I mean, mm. they should
1: have listened to their mate Tom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crew
0: becomes restless. So there he is having a conversation with the ship surgeon who is mm-hmm. suggesting... That they get rid of
1: the grog. That they get rid of the grog. Pwah, that idea. That I mean, you'll idea. have a rum rebellion on your hands, surely, if you did that. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's the same sailors who waited till the sun was over the yard arm for their rum tots that then became... Three Sheets to the Wind?
0: Well, I mean, it may well be. At around the same time as your phrase, Son of the Yard's Arm, was Mm -hmm. being first recorded in writing in English, Three Sheets to the Wind was also being written down in English for the first time. So a few years earlier than yours, you said 1899. Well, in 1821, Pierce Egan, who was a
1: British journalist and sports writer,
0: so he is said to have heavily influenced Dickens, Charles Dickens.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense because Dickens later that century had his own sort of similar-sounding journal called Household Words and then I think a bit later one called All the Year Round.
0: I wonder if he sold it for more than a shilling. Hmm, good question. Probably with inflation. It also appeared in 1840 in a memoir by an American author who had spent two years at sea on a merchant ship Mm on a voyage from Boston to California. And later in 1883, it appears in Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Brilliant. So is it always three sheets? So, yes and no. According to some, there used to be a bit of a continuum of drunkenness, which began with one sheet to the wind, which Mm -hmm. was when you were a little bit tipsy, and and ended with three sheets when you were well and truly drunk. Sometimes you see it written as four sheets to the wind, but that seems to be a bit of an an error. Um, Not quite a malifor, but just a mixed... uh, Just not understanding the origin, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Because, of course, it doesn't make sense, because with four sheets to the wind, which sailors do do from time to time put all the all the sheets to the wind because mm-hmm. if especially perhaps if it's really windy I mean I don't really know enough about sailing but mm-hmm. it's balanced with four sheets to the wind right, so okay. it doesn't so make sense the visual metaphor doesn't
1: really hold Lurch in the same way that sounds a little bit like uh, remember Ruse loose in Chop Paddock the more ruse you've got loose the more crazy or stupid you are
0: you're right you're right if you didn't hear that listen back to episode one
1: So, I feel like the saying has persisted in modern English quite a bit more than the old son over the yard's arm. Absolutely, yes. I
0: consulted the modern corpus of linguistics, which is Twitter. Fabulous. And I was amazed to see how many people advertised their plans to get drunk, their drunkenness or their regret at having been drunk (laughs) with photos on Twitter using
1: this saying. So... And very, yeah, so it's very public. It's not quite the same even as just advertising it to your friends on Facebook. No, nope. yeah. All right, there you go.
0: This world we live in.
1: So thank you for joining us for this rum-soaked episode of The Expressionists. Just a reminder that we take requests. Get in touch on social media to let us know what expressions you'd like us to investigate. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle is at expodcast. That's E-X-podcast. That's it for today. I'm Helen Rydstrand. And I'm Olivia Rosenan. We'll catch you next time. Cheers, Oliver. Cheers. <laughs>
0: Obvious that I've drunk more of my beer than you.